Hello guys, welcome to Just One More Opinion. Today is the first episode of my MCU Marathon slash Road to Christmas series with the movie Iron Man from 2008. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so let's talk about Iron Man. Uh, I just watched it for like the 10th time in 12 years. Maybe I've watched it a couple more times than that. Um, and I need to say that the first time I watched it, I was nine years old. So back in 2008, I watched it at the movie theater and it completely blew my mind even then because it was unlike any other movie that I saw, any other superhero movie that I saw. I'd watched up until then, I think Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, maybe 3, yeah, yeah, I definitely watched 3, um, and Fantastic Four, and Rise of the Silver Surfer, maybe other movies as well, like overall other movies, but Iron Man was just different. It was unlike any other superhero movie up until then, it was grounded, it was more of a, I'd like to say it was more of a human story with a superhero element, rather than the other way around. It was really, it was groundbreaking, it was one of the reasons it paved the way for the MCU. Something that 12 years ago, nobody could even predict that there would be, they were going to have 23 movies and counting in 2020 like it's it's insane i was nine years old and i never would have believed that i would have go and watch this movie about some superhero that i had no idea existed i only really know like re i really knew just spider-man wolverine the hulk fantastic four like even captain america i think but like iron man thor Ant-Man, all of the big superheroes that now we have on our screens appearing in one movie every two years, sometimes even more than that with Endgame and Infinity War like a couple years ago. And I had no idea that it would have developed to be such a big, like big the biggest franchise of all time. So yeah, I was nine. I was nine when... It all started and when I watched it for the first time and I didn't really know much of the the themes that it, it was exploring like war profiteering, choosing humanity over power and control. To me it was just one superhero against a supervillain and yeah that was it. Only after re-watching it when I was older that I really picked up on these themes of taking accountability for our actions and fixing our mistakes, undoing the bad things we've done. And it really connected with me on that level just because, it, like I said, in other movies, it was really superhero versus supervillain. They had conflicting ideals. But to see Tony Stark start Tony Stark start with this arrogant self serving uh, and ignorant of what he had done like this personality and knowing how big a journey he had until endgame last year 
it's just wild and it really makes me so happy that this franchise exists because we got to know and see these characters grow and develop and yeah it's it's just so nice and it's a gift i really think it's a gift and that's why the mcu is one of the biggest parts of my life since i was a kid but yeah um it's insane it, it's the first movie in 23 movies like they did 23 movies in 11 years and they have another seven that we already know of and many more to come and this one is the movie that paved the way for everything that was to come and for other superhero movies outside the MCU like certainly gave a lot of freedom to the X-Men franchise and other superhero franchises franchises even in the DC extended universe extended is that the yeah extended the, the DCU yeah i think it's extended um and yeah it's 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 unbelievable unbelievable that this movie that no one had, had any idea they all they all had these concerns about Robert Downey Jr coming in to portray this hero this up until that point this B level hero but he just he nailed it Robert Downey Jr is Tony Stark he is Iron Man perfect casting the parallels between both the character and the actor's lives are just they're so on point and they're obvious yes but i think rdj brought something to the table with his past with his story and in return tony stark gave this this fame this yeah, this fame to Robert Downey Jr. to enjoy his life more, I would say. I don't know. I think both the character and the actor gave each other a gift that is just so in in invaluable. And I couldn't picture Iron Man being anyone else. And I don't think they will do a reboot anytime soon. Maybe in like 20 years. I don't know. I think... It's still too soon to think about recasting Iron Man because, yeah, it's Iron Man is RDJ and RDJ is Iron Man, and I think that's how it should it should be. But yeah, regarding the plot and the themes, it's really heavy on war and war profiteering, which is something that not a lot of movies up until that point really tackled. It was a bit. It had a small radius. It was New York, um, like saving New York from the this green goblin. Um, sometimes it was bigger stuff, obviously, but it it was always the the theme and the plot was the same. If you know what I mean, like it didn't really brought a lot from other important themes like this one, like war profiteering, which is something that I think is so I think I think it it needs to be discussed even now because it was some, it, it is something that not a lot of people really think about that much 
but profiteering from violence, from war and death is, it's awful. And I really enjoy that Tony Stark is a character that is ignorant to that side of it, mostly ignorant, and he evolves throughout the film to know that he needs to do the best he can to stop it or prevent it from developing into absolute chaos and destruction and death. So I think the plot or the themes of this movie are so strong. And even now watching it again, I was like, damn, damn. They really just, they showed it all. Like they didn't wanna be cheeky and just show a bit of like, like, uh, like just mention it. No, they actually showed like the plot of this story is a man faces himself really when he is um, when he's dealt this big responsibility of taking accountability for his acts you know I think I think it's one of the, the best movies of, of the MCU no doubt like I have no doubt in my mind one of the best movies for his themes, for the casting. The casting is great. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, it's just, it's just on point. You know, her relationship with Tony, it's so quirky and fun, and she compliments Tony's sarcasm so well. And it's one of the best relationships in the MCU as well, just to see, and to see it evolve into what we saw in Endgame, starting in Iron Man up until Endgame, 11 years in the making, these characters, this relationship, these character arcs as well, it's, it's beautiful to, to have witnessed this. And I just, I'm just a pre grateful for it, for it really. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it will revolutionize the genre for sure, for sure it did. Because, like I said, no other superhero movie was doing what Iron Man did, and it was such a. I think I think it was a small budget, considering the big budget movies of or the MCU movies nowadays. It was really a small budget. The script was. <laughs> half done, they improvised a lot, which is remarkable to think they improvised a lot of the scenes and the dialogue. And yeah, it felt, it felt natural. All the di dialogue felt natural, even though it was developing the story, it was moving the plot forward, but it still felt natural. Like, yeah, they were just improvising. Like the characters just knew how to do the, the actual story really knew how to do that, especially Robert Downey Jr. He just, oh, he exudes, he just exudes charisma and he brought all the, all his A-game and he made all the other actors bring their A-game. And it's, as, as a creative artist myself, kind of, um, it's just brilliant to watch what Downey and Paltrow and Jeff Bridges and all and Terrence Howard 
all the, these actors did for this movie that they had no idea would just blow up like it did. It was unbelievable. It was really something insane. Like I look back now and I cannot picture what the MCU is right now, like back then. Okay, I'll move forward because I, ah, oh man, you guys will will know this uh, <laughs> moving forward with this series. But yeah, I tend to talk a lot about <laughs> small stuff. And I have these, my little notes here with me, but I just cannot focus. I just, if I start speaking about something, I'll just go on and on. My friends are victims of this. Um, so, yeah, like Tony Stark is such a huge character right now. Not even, not just in the MCU, but overall in cinema. Such a huge character. And RDJ made him, made the, the superhero famous in his portrayal. Not just because of how he evolved throughout the movies, especially in Endgame and Infinity War and the Avengers movies. Like those were the big spotlights. He only had other three Iron Man movies, obviously, and appearances in Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming as well. But it was the, um, his backstory, the character's backstory, and, and there's, there's a line in the movie that just, oh man, I just felt it. I feel it every time I watch it, which is when Yinsen in the cave asks if, he ha if Tony has, a f has family, any family, and he says no. And Yinsen says, so you're a man who has everything and nothing. And he just hit me. Oh, man. Because it's those little details. Like if you watch the first five minutes, his interaction with Christine Heverhart, and then he... He brings, he brings her home and his sarcasm, his, his viewpoint, viewpoints on, on the war and profiteering from the war and what he, like he's very eloquent in what he says, but he just, he just think like this arrogant guy, I'm not going to swear, I'm not going to swear in case there's children listening eventually, um, like this arrogant guy only thinking about himself and money. But then you hear a line like this, like he has no family, and you look at his eyes, and you're like, damn, he has, yeah, he has no family, like few friends, no family. And even, however big his control and like uh, bank account is, at the end of the day, he has nothing, really, which changes throughout the, 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 the story and the movies, obviously. But in that moment in time, in the cave, you just empathize with that line, with him, in such a profound way. Maybe it's just me, but like I can't relate to that, but I can totally empathize with that feeling. And that, um, that plot point of having no family, no parents that are alive, it goes, it, it is um, picked up in Captain America Civil War eight years after this movie. And it's such a 
pivotal part of that movie. And um, Kevin Feige and John Favreau just put that in the movie, I think, to set it up. Like they made so, they made so many decisions to set up stuff. Like the Ten Rings appear in this movie and they're mentioned and they play a, a part in Iron Man 3 in 2013. But they're going to play a, such a, a gigantic part next year in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. It, it's in, insane. 13 years later, they're these characters are still going to play a part and it blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Like Kevin Feige and all the MCU directors and writers, they were so smart in setting up these little things and even with the, the first arc reactor showing up at the end of Endgame as well with such an emotional weight to it. I, I love it. I, I love these little setups. I think... They're what, in some ways, it, they they are what makes the MCU the MCU, because you get this movie, but you know it's gonna branch out into three different movies, and those three movies are gonna branch out in, into another nine, and that's how we got this far. Um, but yeah, also Rhodey Rhodey as a character is great. Terrence Howard played him amazingly. Did a great job at playing the military man, who is also a friend of the protagonist. And even though I got used to Don Cheadle as uh, James Rhodes, as Rhodey, because he played him for the next ten years, nine, ten, nine, nine years, I still would have liked to know what Terrence Howard would have done with the character moving forward. Because there's this scene in the movie that. Um, Tony goes to him and he says, I have this thing that I want you to be a part of. And he, and Rhodey is only thinking about military uh, applications. And it's so, it's so narrow-minded in that, in that regard. So I would have liked to see Howard's uh, Rhodey evolved into basically Cheadle's uh, Rhodey, which is much more, at least in 2019 in Endgame, it, He's much more focused on the greater, like a greater benefit for the whole humanity rather than uh, a military application of weapons, of Stark industry weapons in this case. Um, Yinsen is another character that I, I don't know, I just love, I just love Yinsen, even though we only get to see him for like 30 minutes, but He's, the, he's one of the great examples in the MCU of a good man. Um, his sacrifice always makes me tear up, especially when you, when you, you, you re-watch it. And when, <laughs> and when he says that I will see my family after this, and he says it so like, simply, so quietly. So maybe the first time you watch the movie, you don't pick it up. But the second time, you you know what he what he means by that. So that scene when he's when he's dying and and he says, "I'm gonna see my family now." Oh man, it just breaks my heart. And and then he says, "Don't waste your life to Tony." And I think 
that was the moment. If you can choose any moment from this movie, that was the moment where Tony had this, this epiphany, this revelation. Because Jensen was pivotal. It was a pivotal part to Tony's rebirth as a person, as a character. And myself, I, I, I can relate. I can, you know, empathize with, with Jensen at that moment in time where he, he sacrificed himself for this man that he knows was a man that he was profiteering, profiteering, yeah, from war um, and all about money and power and fame. So he knows that if he said, he needs to say something to make him understand that these last few weeks or months um, mean something, they have to mean something. So he says, don't waste your life. And it just, I connect with that every time because it's something that I think we can all relate to. We need to make, we should make something good out of our times here on earth and don't waste your life. It, it has this powerful message in it. I think one of the most important messages in the MCU or any movie that I've watched really. So yeah, Yinsen was, was one of the good ones and it's a shame that he was only alive in the first 30 minutes of this movie, but his sacrifice was a really important part in developing the character of Tony Stark. So I'm really grateful for that. Hey guys, just to let you know that the next section was recorded three, four hours after the first one. That was because I had um, my mom, my dad come home and my mom had to work from home. So I, so I didn't want to bother her with my recording, so I just had to find another time to record the, the, the last bit of the episode. So I might be talking a bit quieter uh, in the next section, but hopefully I didn't forget some major points that I wanted to talk about about the movie. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. So yeah, enjoy the next bit. In terms of villains, we have Rosin and Obadiah Stane, aka Ironmonger. And, well, Raza is just one of the higher ranked Ten Rings operatives. And he just wants control over his country. So, I don't know, those types of villains with those motives of control and power and money, to me, they just, I don't know, they seem two dimensional. And they don't really offer that much in terms of the story. Um, I like my villains with a bit of like conflict. Like they, their ideals go against the hero, yes. But they might also make us feel conflicted ourselves. This happens with Thanos in Infinity War, I think, in my opinion. Um, in other movies, there's also a bit of that but yeah in the mcu there's not a lot of villains that you feel sorry pity empathy uh with so again in this movie we are also stain that from the beginning he just seems suspicious i don't know maybe it was jeff bridges portrayal he, he, i just from the beginning i didn't buy that he was an ally to stark 
And again, his motives of control, power, profit, they just seem bland. Like, just too villainous, you know? I just don't really enjoy watching this uh, conflict with a villain that just wants money. Like, it's, it's just evil. He's just evil. There's no, like, humanity to him, really. He wanted to kill his uh, business partner, Tony. He doesn't care about collateral damage at all. There's no humanity in the character. So in that regard, the movie loses a bit, in my opinion. And again, his suit is just, it's just the evil, the evil version of Iron Man's suit. Um, and this is going to be a trope for MCU movies. Like the villain is just the mirrored evil version of the hero. And I, I don't mind it most of the times. Here it's just, well, yeah, I'd say here it's, it is um, basically given. I mean, you kind of get that they did that because it was what they had at hand. Obviously, Stane was going to use Stark's technology against him and against the world. So it made sense, yes, but eh, I don't know. Like in future movies, this bothers me a bit more. Here is just me, I guess, it's just like me. Um, in terms of action, I really enjoyed how it was, how the movie was so quick on action. In the first five minutes, you get the big um, Tony's. Uh, Fun V is um, attacked by the Ten Rings. He gets shrapnel in his chest. You see him being kidnapped um, with the Ten Rings filming him. Later we, we learn it's for Stain, who has ordered to, for him to be killed. Which is what, what, it was a plot twist. Like, I didn't know he was going to be the one who actually requested him to be kidnapped and killed. That was a little pop twist I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting him to be the villain, but yeah. And, um, yeah, the, the, some of the action scenes are just so iconic now. Like, saving Galmira, um, when he first puts on the Iron Man Mark Three suit. Um, also the, um, the, the Mark II flight scene, oh, so iconic, like putting on the first actual suit and the first one, the Mark I in the cave, like the cave scenes for me are my favorite of the movie. They just show him building his suit and it's just so memorable. And, um, yeah, it was a great sequence. One of my favorites for sure for the, uh, from the whole MCU. The soundtrack is also brilliant the rock music i think is now synonymous of tony in the mcu obviously like hey i remember that um his iron man entry in avengers was with the <laughs> hijacking of the quinjet the hijacking of the quinjet that's a mouthful um where he puts i think it's acdc if i'm not mistaken um, on, on the Quinjet's uh, radio or whatever, 
And it's just so iconic, this music with Tony Stark. I really love the soundtrack of this movie. It's one of the fewer movies, like Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 also has a they also have a good uh, soundtrack um, in terms of mu m um, actual songs, not just like the overall soundtracks, like in terms of songs, they are, for me, the best ones. Yeah, but the soundtrack for this movie is also really good. And you have to talk about the ending. Oh my God. I am Iron Man. Ah, oh. I think that line which was like groundbreaking. It was against the con the superhero conventions of hiding your identity to, to keep your people you love safe. It was just so against the form that it made this movie unique. And I think no other movie in MCU can be um, paralleled, if that's even a word. <laughs> yeah, you cannot draw a line with this to this movie from any other movie in MCU because this movie was so unique it was refreshing and I am Iron Man that line oh man that was the thing that was the moment that you knew oh this is gonna be big and it was big people had ideas of like oh my god and the post credits scene obviously with Nick Fury coming in Talking about the Avenger Initiative at the time, I had no idea what that meant because I was nine. But oh, you could feel the excitement of the oh, what the, the what does this mean? And yeah, and it was the beginning of the post-credit scene. Something I kind of think the Marvel Cinematic Universe made famous. Like a lot of movies nowadays have a one or two post-credit scenes, and I think it was because of the popularity in MCU. Mm -hmm. In MCU movie, sorry. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it. Yeah. I think if I had to give it a review, I would say it it is still a solid watching experience. Twelve years later, I was excited for uh, about watching it. I laughed. I almost teared up. Um, in some moments and I think in the series of the movies like it's it's high up as one of my favorite MCU movies because it's still good until this year after Endgame it's still a good movie after Endgame and Infinity War and Civil War which I think are some of my favorite and the best MCU movies it's still a good movie, it, even though some of the following movies that I will obviously talk about in the next few days kind of let fans down in terms of quality. The first one, this first one, Iron Man, is still a great movie. And I, yeah, I would give it like inside the MCU a 9 out of 10, and as a movie in general. I would say an 8 out of 10. Um, and I think that's it. Like, Iron Man is still one of the best MCU movies, without a question. And... I was really excited to watch it again. I hadn't watched it in... Maybe... 
two, three years? I don't know. Yeah, maybe something like that. I did a marathon a couple of years ago, I think. It was, oh yeah, it was after Homecoming was released. So yeah, three years ago. I think that was the last time I watched it. Or maybe I watched it like a year later while I was uh, in, in university. I don't know. But it was it was still nice. Like I was excited to to watch this, and some of the <laughs> the next movies I might not be as excited to watch again. I know which ones I have in mind, um, but I'll push through it and I'll talk to you guys about them. And yeah, this was the first episode of Assembling for Christmas and MCU Marathon. I hope you enjoyed. Um, this was my first time doing an actual episode for a podcast. This is not my first language, as some of you might know from my introduction episode. And I was a bit nervous about doing this for a long time. And I might have drifted away from the main point of this video, some of, of, this, uh, of this episode sometimes. Um, but yeah, we have reached the end. It's probably around 30 minutes something oh yeah it might be longer than that sorry about that if you <laughs> if you think this is too long um i'll try to reduce the amount of time i spend talking about one movie for the following episodes i promise um and yeah i promise you also that my confidence and my ability to articulate my viewpoints will get better over time this was the first episode so i don't like to say but please go easy on me and i'll talk to you guys tomorrow and after tomorrow and after after tomorrow because until the 23rd of december i will be talking to you guys about the mcu every day and i hope you enjoy this podcast episode about iron man oh <clears throat> man, my voice. Oh, man. It's a shame that I'm not... Let me try that again, actually. Thank you for listening in to this, the first episode in this series that I'm making. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>